Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. Today we, uh, we are taking a look at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is specific for today and for um, the business we're going to be talking about later and a kind of our vision for next year. Um, but then in the new year, we're going to be jumping more in depth into the Lord's Prayer as we talk about prayer. Uh, and so today we're beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Terry will come read it for us. Good morning. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. All right. Short and sweet this week. At least the verses are. I don't know if I will be. We'll see. Uh, so, so we're going to gather later and we're going to talk about our we're going to gather for our annual meeting, kind of talk about what God's been doing over the past year to two years here at Christ Community and in our community. Um, and we're going to be looking forward to what God is going to do and what he's calling us to, what we believe is a leadership team that he's calling us to in 2022 um, and as a congregation, as a church. And so I, I wanted to, in this, sermon, in this sermon, in this time, kind of lay the foundation for what we exist as a church to do. And I think that foundation is right here uh, in this prayer. Uh, you might have noticed our sign this week as you drove by on Hamden says, in Denver as in heaven. That's the driving force. That's the driving goal of followers of Jesus. That's the driving goal of us as a church, that, that we would be an expression of heaven to everybody, that we would seek God's purposes and God's will and God's reign and God's rule for our community and for our neighbors as we live for Jesus, as we follow him. We, we want to make our lives and the community around us look as much like heaven as possible. I think that's why Jesus starts his model prayer this way. So here we are in John chapter 6. This is right in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, this, this big section of teaching that Jesus gave. And uh, in the middle of it, um, Jesus had been asked before by his followers, teach us to pray, tell us how to pray. And this is the prayer that he gives as a model for how we ought to be praying. And it's amazing that it's short, first of all, because a lot of us think that unless we say, long prayers with lots of words and lots of flowery language, God won't necessarily listen to us. But the fact is that God hears you no matter how few words you use, and he knows your heart before you ever start speaking. But he starts his prayer, Jesus starts his model prayer by praising God as holy. Now, we're not going to get a lot into that today. That's coming up in January, so stick around, and you'll learn more about what it means for God to be holy. But Jesus begins his prayer by praising God as holy, as set apart, as other, as something totally different and beyond us. And then in verse 10, which is where we're going to focus, he calls on God and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where we're going to camp today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Now, this prayer is so familiar to us that we might miss the the radical nature of what Jesus has just prayed for. I mean, just the crazy nature of what Jesus has prayed. Now, in the Bible, this is not a unique prayer. This is, in fact, what God intended for his people to be doing from the very beginning. Back in Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 to 6, this is what we read. This is God calling out his people from Egypt and telling Moses, their leader, what he wants them to do, who he wants them to be. And so in 19, Exodus 19.3, this is how we start. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. So Moses is being instructed to tell the people of God, the Israelites, this. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. So notice what God is saying here. He's called his people. They've been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And then God led Moses to lead those people out of Egypt to create a new nation, the nation of the Israelites, the nation of Israel. And this is God's commissioning, his mission statement for the people of God, for the Israelites. And he says, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession of all the peoples. They are to be God's special kingdom on the earth. They are to be God's special people. And what's going to mark them out as God's people is that they obey God. They do his will. They keep his covenant. God's kingdom is the place where God rules and reigns as king. God's kingdom is the place where God's will is done. So keep that in your mind. According to Exodus 19, When God called the Israelites out of Egypt and made them his own kingdom, the thing that would mark them out as the kingdom of God was that they would obey God. They would do his will. And so God's kingdom is the place where his will is done. It's the place where God's desires are fulfilled, where his people are obedient to him. So now we jump forward again to Jesus' prayer when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is a restatement of the same thing. To pray for God's kingdom to come is to pray for God's will to be done. God's kingdom is present where God's will is done, where his people obey him, where they follow him, where they serve him where they bring his kingdom rule, his kingly rule, to bear on the world around them by obeying him and keeping the covenant he has made with them. We following? So God's kingdom is where God's will is done. So to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, is to restate the same thing. And so Jesus is kind of playing back on all that God had told his people from Exodus 19 all the way through the Old Testament saying, just obey me, follow me, listen to me, and you'll be my kingdom. You'll be my people. My will will be done among you. And God's will for the earth is good. God's will for his people and for the world is good. God wants good for the world. He wants the world to be transformed. 
And so we've gone back to Exodus. Now we get to go forward to Revelation to the end of it all where we see Jesus return and we see what it means when God's kingdom really does come fully. When God's kingdom come, comes in a way that no one can reject anymore. No one can undermine it anymore. And that's why we turn to Revelation 21, 1 to 4. In Revelation 21, Jesus has returned. The king has come. He's done away with all evil. He's done away with all pain. And now he's setting up his eternal, perfect kingdom where no sin will ever exist anymore. So this is what it says. Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people's. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. This is the picture of what it is when God rules on earth physically among his people for all of eternity and no one can ever stand up against him ever again. Everything is done perfectly according to God's will when he comes and reigns on earth among his people. And contrary to what a lot of legalists and fundamentalists might argue, when God comes among his people and he rules and reigns, it's not a terrible, terror-filled, awful thing. He's not like the, the mean, abusive father who's ready to just smack his kids around. When God comes and rules among his people, crying, pain, death, grief are no more. They are gone. They are done. Life is perfect and beautiful and healthy, and holy, and glorious. This is what it means for God to come and be present in his people. This is what it means for God's kingdom to come on earth. So what does that mean in the meantime? Right? We, we looked at the beginning when God called his kingdom out and said, just obey me, keep my covenant, and my kingdom will be among you. And we've looked at the end when Jesus comes back and his kingdom is perfect and it's here and it's whole and it's real and all these things are done away with, all sin is done away with. What does it mean in the meantime, though? Do we just pine for the future? Do we just like get miserable and depressed and sad right now because this future hasn't come yet? And we just kind of get into our holy huddle and go into our caves and wait for Jesus to come back? Because throughout his Christian history, that's happened a lot. It's happened a lot that like Christians are like, this world is just, this world's terrible. This world sucks. I, I don't want to be part of this. I'm not, I'm not going to engage with all this. So they go and they create their own separate little community and they live in their holy little huddle and they say to hell with the rest of the world, literally to hell with the rest of the world. I'm just going to wait for heaven to come. And they don't engage with anybody. I mean, that's one way. I guess that's one way of doing it. Or you could say on the other hand, you could be like the um, they're called antinomians, the people who are like, there's no law, we're all free in Christ, so therefore, whatever we do in the here and now doesn't really matter, because one day Jesus is going to come back and make everything right. So, I can live however I want, I don't really need to obey God, I don't really need to follow his commandments, because they're kind of annoying anyway, they cut into my 
enjoyment of life, I think. And so I'm just not going to worry about it because one day Jesus is going to come back and make all things right. So we could do, we go to one of these two extremes and we could say just to hell with the law of God, to hell with the standards of God and, and with obeying him or to hell with the rest of the world. I'm going to go live in my little huddle and wait for Jesus to come back and heaven to come on earth. And both ways would be absolutely wrong. Both ways of living are ways of rejecting who Jesus is and what he has done. Both of those ways of being in the world, either the isolationism or the just do whatever you want-ism, either way is a rejection of Jesus and what he's actually called us to do. Both of them are fundamentally misunderstand who Jesus tells his people to be. And they misunderstand what it means to bring heaven to earth. They've, they've, they've missed that the call to bring heaven to earth is not just one in which we wait for God to do something. It's one in which we partner with God to bring it about. We get to partner with God to bring heaven to earth. I mean, how cool is that mission? If you ever gotten overwhelmed by like, the things you need to obey with Jesus or like telling people about Jesus, or, you, or you've been overwhelmed with the pain of the world and the struggle of the world, just reframe all of that into the idea that we're bringing heaven to earth now. I get to be a little glimpse of heaven for the people around me. Our community gets to be a little glimpse of heaven for the people around us. And we ought to be pursuing everything that heaven is about on this earth. First, personally. For God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done, it has to be done in my life. It has to be done in my heart first. There are a lot of Christians in the world who think that as long as they're pursuing certain social goods and certain social justice issues, then their personal moral lives don't really matter that much. Because, well, I'm pursuing racial justice, or I'm pursuing justice for the poor, or I'm all about trying to give equity to the world and, and get everybody on an equal playing field. I'm all about serving and loving and caring for people. So how I live personally isn't really that big a deal because I'm doing the real work of the kingdom. And that is also a fundamental misunderstanding of the entire scriptures, of Jesus and the whole Bible. If God's will is going to be done, if his kingdom is going to come, it's got to come in me. He's got to rule and reign in my heart. He's got to have his will done in my life before I can be a conduit for his will to be done in the world outside of me. That's what repentance is. That's what it means to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus. I turn away from everything that, that has pulled me away from him, everything I've ever done that rejects God. I turn away from that, and I turn to Christ. And I allow him to reform me so that I can be his agent to reform the world. But he's got to rule and reign in my life, which means rooting out sin, which means doing the really hard work of self-evaluation and seeing the things that separate me from God and separate me from people. One way to frame this is, look at Revelation 21 again. We look at the things that will be no more when God lives among his people. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. What in my life, what am I doing that promotes death in the world? What am I doing that promotes grief and crying and pain among the people that I'm around? 
What am I doing to contribute to the sin of the world, to the brokenness of the world? For God's rule and reign to come in my heart, for God to rule as king over me and for his will to be done in me, means that we got to root out all that stuff within me that contributes to the sinfulness of the world. Got to contribute, that got to root out all the stuff within me that contributes to death and grief and pain and crying in the world. All those things that harm other people or that reject God. All those ways that I'm not living in line with God's standards. Am I doing the things that God has expressly told me not to do? Am I living in a way that God has expressly told me not to live? Or am I refusing to do the things that Jesus has called me to do? Am I refusing to love? Am I refusing to forgive? Am I refusing to walk in peace and humility? Am I refusing to do the things Jesus has called me to do? And am I refusing to to root out the stuff that separates me from Jesus? If God's will is going to be done, if his kingdom is going to come, it's got to come in me. It's got to be allowed to root out my sin and to make me more like Jesus because that's what his kingdom rule in me means. For God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in my heart and my life means that I'm looking more and more like my king all the time. I'm looking more and more like Jesus all the time. I'm becoming like him in every way. That's what his kingdom come and will be done in your heart means, in my heart. That's what it means. Let Jesus rule your heart. Let Jesus root out the dark parts of your soul. Let him root out the sin. Let him in. And let his people in. The idea that sin is some like deeply personal, individualized thing that doesn't touch the community is entirely a 21st century idea. Maybe a 20th century idea. But it's new. Christians across history have always understood that my sin affects the people around me. And if we're going to deal with sin, if we're going to deal with brokenness, if we're going to deal with the dark parts of our souls, we have to do this in community. We cannot do it ourselves. Me and the Holy Spirit isn't actually enough to make me like Jesus. I need people. I need God's people. I need others who are becoming like Jesus to walk with me and hold me accountable. This is the root of the practice of confession that we in the Protestant church don't do. And particularly we in the American Protestant church don't do. Because we think that my sin is individual to me and that it's deeply personal and that it's only between me and God. And that is not in line with what Jesus has told us. It's not in line with scripture at all. We need to reclaim the practice of confession if God's will is going to be done in our lives. Confessing to one another, to trusted brothers and sisters who are also trying to become like Jesus so that they can walk with us. And I know it sounds blasphemous to some people to say you and the Holy Spirit isn't enough, but Jesus wouldn't have gathered a whole group of people around him to walk with him together to hold one another accountable if that were true. Jesus called a community to follow him. And so we got to let God's kingdom come and his will be done in our hearts within the community of God's people. Because a kingdom cannot be made up of one person. A kingdom cannot be made up of just me. A kingdom is us. A kingdom is first and foremost a people who are gathered around shared values and a shared king. 
So the kingdom of God is God's people united together, all of them allowing his will and his reign to take first place in their lives together. We are individually together in this. We're allowing God's will to come about in our lives together. And it's that togetherness that's the next part, right? So God's will has to be done. His kingdom has to come in my life. And it has to be done and come in our community, both within our church community and our broader community. This is how we become an expression of heaven, which means that if I, if, if allowing God's will to be done and his kingdom to come in my life means that anything in me that is promoting death or grief or pain or crying, if anything in me is promoting sin and a rejection of God personally, then for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in our community as a church and in the broader community around us means that anything in our world that promotes death and grief and pain and crying and sinfulness must be opposed. As the church, as God's people, in the community. This is where we get to our social engagement. This is where we get to what we do outside the walls of this church. We want God's will to be done and his kingdom to come, not only in this place and not only in our individual lives, but in the community around us. Because we can't reflect heaven as long as there are sinful patterns and sinful systems in the world around us. Our community can't reflect heaven as long as we, as God's people, are not standing opposed to all of the things that promote death and grief and crying and pain. Which means that we as a community have to we have to pursue life. We have to model what it is to go after life. We have to model what it is to to create equal opportunities for people to thrive and to survive. We as a community have to be there to stand and support one another in our neediness and in our brokenness, to lift one another up. We have to stand opposed to all those things that promote death in our culture and in our community. We have to stand opposed to all of those things that that promote grief and pain in our culture and in our community. All while accepting that sin is going to be a part of life outside of these walls. All while accepting that death is the norm. Death, it reigns in the world. Because of our sinfulness, death has come in. But as a church, to bring heaven to bear, to bring God's kingdom to earth, to, to make his will be done above all, is to stand opposed to death to promote life in every way that we can. It means to promote justice in the world. It means to make sure that people have what they need to make ends meet so that they don't die prematurely. It's to promote mental health and to make sure that the people around us have access that they need to, to mental health counseling, that they have access that they need to food and to resources to make sure that people have access to jobs, that they truly do have equality of opportunity. And I know in our world right now, in our very divided, very broken world, in our very divided society, there's a whole argument about, are we talking about equality of opportunity or equality of outcome? And I just say, I want to pursue justice and goodness for the community around me. And I would love to see equality of outcome for the people around us. 
I'm not talking about making people dependent on us or making people dependent on systems. I'm not talking about trying to promote some worldly systems. I just want to make sure that the people around me have what they need to survive and to thrive. And so as a church, like we get to be committed to that because we recognize our community will not reflect heaven as long as there are hungry people in it. Our community will not reflect heaven as long as there are people in it who don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. Our community will not reflect heaven as long as there are people perpetrating violence within it. Our community will not reflect heaven as long as there is crime and and destruction within it. And so we as a community have to pursue those things that promote life. We get to pursue those things that promote life. Those things that make sure people have food on their table and roofs over their heads and an opportunity to have the margin to invest in their spiritual lives. Because until people have margin in their life to pursue a spiritual life with Christ, that is, as long as they're hungry and they're insecure in their housing and they don't know where their next meal's coming from and they don't know where they're going to lay their heads, they're not going to be invested in their spiritual lives. We have to have basic physical needs met before we can start meeting spiritual needs. And so we recognize our community can't reflect heaven until those physical needs are met. Until all the things that won't exist when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom don't exist in our community. Now, that's a utopian vision, right? It's not going to happen. Sin in our world, the, the complexities of systems in our world, the complexities of government and the complexities of, of policing, the complexities of, of the work of the economy, all of this make it so that this is never going to happen in our world. And that's why I say we get to give a glimpse of heaven. We, we get to give a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And a lot of times that's going to happen primarily in these walls. I hope that when we walk into this place and we see our brothers and sisters here, we can say, yeah, this is what heaven's going to be like. We can enjoy one another's company. We can love and care for one another. And that this is a place where no one goes hungry. And no one has to worry about being housed. Because we're going to walk with you and pursue those things and and try and make sure that you have what you need so that you have the margin in your life to pursue a life with Christ. So that your physical needs are met. A lot of the time, all of these, these grand ideas, these grand notions of what heaven come to earth will mean will take place more in here than out there. It doesn't mean we don't pursue them out there. But we have control over what happens in here. We have control as a community of how we care for one another and love one another and share with one another and give to one another. This is why when you read Acts 2, the very first Christians shared everything they had in common and they made sure that the hungry were fed and everybody had a place to sleep and they worshiped together. Because when they gathered as the church, they said what it means for heaven to come here and now is for everyone to be provided for. So that these great inequities don't exist. Because the poorest among us can use those things that I have that are are excess. And so if we want God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in Christ community church, we have to be a community that pursues equity and justice as a community. God's will has to be done and his kingdom has to come among us 
in the church before it will happen outside of these walls. So God's will and God's kingdom have to come in my heart first, have to reform me, have to shine light into the dark places of my heart so that heaven comes in my life. And then through us as a community, God's kingdom gets to come and his will be done through us as we share and as we love and as we give and as we serve together, as we worship together and fellowship together. And then as heaven comes to bear here and this community feels more and more like heaven, it'll spread more and more outside these walls as we pursue goodness and life for the people around us. That's what drives us as a church. I hope that's what drives you. That's what drives me is to see heaven come to bear. I desperately want to die and get to heaven and experience all the fullness and be overwhelmed by it and at the same time go, you know, you know, I had a little taste of this when I was with those people. I had a little taste of this when I was hanging out with Cheryl and with Doug and with Chance. I had a little taste of this when I was with them. I want to get to heaven and go, yeah, yeah, this is, this is what I hoped for. This is what I expected because I had a glimpse of it when I was living down there or when I was living back there. That's our goal as a church, to give people a taste of heaven. And I'll tell you what, if we give people a taste of heaven, a taste of what God's reign really means, a taste of what God's will really is, they'll be beating down the doors to know more about it. When we can love as Jesus loves and we can share as Jesus shares and we can give as Jesus gives and we can pursue life with everything that we have, not in a politically divisive way, but in a way that reps Jesus and raises him up as the highest goal. When we can live in a place that brings heaven to earth, people can't return away from that vision. Our world has a hunger for heaven. Our world has a hunger for everything that we as the church have to offer because we are made in the image of God. We are made to hunger after who God is. We are made to hunger after all the wholeness and goodness that God has to give. We're made to want heaven. We're made to want the goodness of God. And it's by putting all of that goodness on display in our community. It's by pursuing heaven come to earth in this church that we will make the greatest impact in our world. And when the world looks in and they they see the church of God committed to bringing heaven to earth, not just just downing on people and, and judging them and putting them down, or not just not just emptily pursuing some some charity initiatives, but truly loving people and welcoming them into the community and pursuing everything that heaven is. When our world that is hungry for heaven and truly hungry for God sees us bringing heaven to bear in this community and in the community surrounding us, they'll desperately want to be a part of it because we all want heaven. So as we go forward as a church, that's our drive. You'll hear us talk later today in our annual meeting about some of the things that we're going to be changing. 
We've got a lot of events planned next year. Some of those we're going to call justice events where they're just us going out and serving. We don't expect anything in return. Nothing. It's just because we think this is the right thing and the good thing to do to care for our neighbors. And I don't care if you come into the church or not. We're just here to love you. And then we're going to have some of the outreach events where these events are primarily about, hey, we just want to get to know you. And yeah, please come to church. Please come hang out with us because we think we have a great community that you could be a part of. In the next year, we're going to be, uh, if provided you guys approve it, we're going to be uh, dedicating 10% of our revenue to go back into missions into those justice initiatives and into those evangelism initiatives to to help people learn and grow in Jesus and become more like Jesus and helping to just meet the needs of some of the neediest people in the world. And so we're committing 10% of our revenue for the next year to going to missions. We're going to be doing these things because we want to bring heaven to earth. And we hope as we go along that you'll join us and you'll walk with us in that. You'll commit yourself to the vision of bringing heaven to bear in Denver. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this prayer of yours. Thank you that you have commissioned us and you have empowered us to bring heaven to earth. Thank you that you have called us to this mission. Lord, I pray that individually we would allow, God, your will to be done and your kingdom to come in our own hearts first, to reform us, to root out our sin, to make us more like Jesus. As a community, God, I pray the same, that you would, your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives as a community as we pursue heaven on earth. God, I pray that we're a community where, where love reigns where the love of Jesus, the transforming power of our God reigns so that we can bring heaven to bear in this community and on the world around us. And God, as we step into 2022 and we step into this annual meeting in just a a few minutes, God, I I pray, Lord, that you you would be present here. You would speak to us. We would open our hands and open our minds and our hearts to listen to you to follow you, to obey you, to go wherever you'd call us to go so that we can truly see your kingdom come and your will be done in Denver as in heaven. God, thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to follow you. Thank you for the chance this day to love you and to be made more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.